right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 44 of the Brandon Archer podcast. Thank you for tuning in. I believe today is going to be another um, great time with the Lord and with the word of God. And thank you so much for tuning in. I pray that this time that you sow into this podcast by listening and giving your your mind and your heart to it, that you're going to walk away benefiting from it. And the thing about the word of God is sometimes it's not like in a moment. Sometimes it is in a moment. It's like a, you know, like pop, like, wow, I get it. Whoa, things shift. But sometimes it's just a gradual thing. This putting God's word and putting God in your life is a process and it's a journey and it's it's for the long haul. So as you feed your spirit, you're actually feeding it sustenance that you're going to need for tomorrow, the next day. That's why you can't just live um you know, off of a uh, a little a morsel every now and then. You know, it's a daily bread. You got to feed yourself daily, and that daily feeding, you know, in in the natural, you could feed yourself that day, and it's for the day, right? It's this food, like Bible says, that give us this day our daily bread. The daily bread, the sustenance of that naturally can last for the day or the next day, and then you're gonna need more, right? Well, it's the same way in the spiritual. But that daily bread that you're feeding off of from God's word is eternal. It's, it's staying inside of your spirit. If you can feed it, you can nurture it. But if you just give yourself to it, it'll actually endure through time. So you can take it into your future. You can take it as you walk with your life. And those moments you had with God and being faithful and consistent in his word and spending time with him, whether it's listening to the word of God, podcast, reading a book, uh, and this is this is on top of you know just a ba- basic like devotion or Bible reading that people do. You have to give yourself to listening to something that feeds your spirit. If you don't, you're going to be listening to what the news, what other people think, your own thoughts, um, you know, the world's agenda. And if that's what you feed your mind, or or even entertainment or social media gossip, all, if that's all you feed your spirit, then you're going to try to draw in times of need and you're going to be empty. You're not going to have anything to pull and you're just going to, you're going to have fear and doubt and anxiety and, and what the world offers, which is, is not good. It's pain, suffering. It's, it's, um, hatred. It's unbelief. It's, it's fear. It's fear of missing out. It's fear of not having, it's the victim. It's playing the victim, right? So we need God's word. We need a relationship with God and those things in the time of need will will show up. He'll show up. There'll be a foundation for you to live off of. There'll be a strong foundation that you can build upon the word of God, right? The, a relationship with God. Those things are foundational for your future, for your pro, for where God's taking you. And I just feel led in my spirit. I'm going to go to um, Psalms 37 real quick. And we're going to read that before I jump into this main message. So Psalms 37, do not fret because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as a green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. Feed on his faithfulness. He's faithful. He's faithful to you. He's faithful to your heart. He knows what he has for your life. He, he knows what he, where he wants to take you in your life. He knows the people he's going to have in your life. He knows your haters, and he knows those that love you. He knows the ones that he wants you to connect you with, and he knows those he, he's going to disconnect you from. Because he's got a plan, and that plan, sometimes uh, it, it, there's like a shifting that has to happen because if you were just stuck around the same people, the same mindset, the same uh, level of whatever it is, you're never going to grow. You're never going to go past the ceiling that's set before you. And a lot of people, they set their ceiling. And then anytime anybody comes around to say, hey, we're going to raise it, they freak out. They lose their, they they don't know how to handle it. And so what has to happen is you either have to, you know, people that, that are in that situation, they either have to break that mindset off of them so that they can go, okay, I want my ceiling raised and I want to go higher. Or you have to disconnect yourself from them because they become like dead weight. They become like baggage. They become a problem instead of a blessing. And what you want is to trust God and feed on his faithfulness. 
And then it says here, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So our delight isn't in stuff. It's not in people. It's not in position. It's not in, um, you know, <laughs> let me tell you, people delight yourself in money and they come up empty a lot, right? Like I can delight myself. Money does solve problems, right? It does. It is the answer. But it's not the eternal answer. It doesn't, it doesn't last. You're going to need more. You're going to always need money in life. That's why making money the thing you delight in, it's fleeting. But if you delight yourself in the Lord, then you know where the, where the provision, where supernaturally, not just in the natural, but where God brings um, a supply into your life. And it's not just monetary. It's joy. It's peace. It's an understanding. It's faithfulness. His faithfulness operating in your life to be faithful. Commit your way to the Lord, it says. That means the way that you're going, the way that you're operating. Commit it to the Lord. Give it over to God. Trust also in Him, and He'll bring it to pass. He'll he'll bring the promises. He'll bring what He's doing in your life to pass. You don't have to look to other people. You don't have to put your trust in man. You can trust in God. And understand that what God has for you, he can He can make it happen. He can bring it to pass. You don't have to blame people. You don't have to be the victim, okay? And I think this is the, the area this morning that I'm going to spend a moment on, is this victim mentality. People get in a place to where they want to play the victim in life. And when things change or seasons shift, they start blaming other people. They start blaming their circumstances. And they become a victim. And when you have that mentality, you will never be the victor. You'll never overcome. You'll never go beyond your little, you know, world that you live in, the little world you've created of comfort. And when people, their comfort zones get shaken or they get disturbed, they start freaking out. They start going, oh my gosh. And they want to blame and they want to be a victim. You have to understand you're not a victim. You have God on your side. God is for you. He's with you. And you have to connect with him and let him show you what he's doing in your life so that you don't become the victim, right? You can learn, you can grow. You don't have to let the ceiling, right, that you've set for yourself, that comfort zone, be the limiter on you. You can break that ceiling and you can go higher. This is why authority and leadership is so important in our lives. Our parents will set a ceiling for us. Our teachers set a ceiling and there's good teachers and there's bad teachers. There's good parents and there's bad parents. That's why for my kids, it's like I don't want to set a ceiling on certain things. I want to set a guard. It's different from a ceiling where you want them to be guarded and understand, okay, this is the world. This is evil. This is These are things that are going to want to grab your attention that you're going to want to stay away from because they're not there to help you. You might think they might come deceptive, but they're actually there to hurt you. So you need to put a guard. And then there's ceilings where people say, you know what, I see this. You, you probably should, you know, people try to put weights on you or, or like uh, Saul and David, when, when Saul tried to get David to wear his armor to go fight the battle, when David didn't need his armor, David had God. David didn't have a ceiling. Saul tried to put a ceiling over him and say, hey, this is who you're going to be. This is where you're at. And he's like, no, I'm not going to listen to you. I'm going to listen to God. And I don't need your armor to fight the battle because I am who I am. And I don't need um, somebody else coming in and, and, and putting some sort of restriction, restraint on me because they want the glory, right? Saul wanted to benefit from David's victory. In case this guy wins, I get to say, well, he wore my armor. And that's how people are. They're, they're very weird like that. So, <laughs> and I'm one of them, Okay. So I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to talk down to people. I'm actually wanting to encourage you because I know the battle within my own heart in life. And when you can learn from, from God and from life in these areas that are hidden, right? The, the inside operations of man, it gives you wisdom and understanding how to um, deal with yourself, but also how to, how to deal with people. And God is able to give us the desires of our heart. He's able to protect us, provide for us, place us where he wants us. And we don't have to get uncomfortable and nervous because things begin to change or shift in our life. We can trust him. He's good. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light 
and your justice as the noonday. Rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. And this is another thing too, is, is that anger and that wrath, you know, a lot of times when God comes and begins to disrupt our status quo or the, the normalcy of our existence, our, our flesh and the, that that comfort zone or whatever, people can get angry. They get mad. They get frustrated. They, uh, 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 right? They get attitudes. And those attitudes will hinder, right? They'll hinder their development. They'll hinder their ability to see clearly, to have good perspective, to have God's perspective instead of having this selfish victim, poor me, you know, I'm a victim mentality. So, Let's trust in the Lord. Let's put our faith in him. Let's look to him in our life in every, for every direction, for everything he's doing. And when we do that, we're going to open up our world to God to come and fill it, to God to come in there and to lead it and to guide it and to trust him on the journey that he has for every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's, let's, let's jump into... Uh, me and my wife created this acronym for worship. And I believe this message I just preached, like I think I already mentioned this, but I preached this message. Um, and I, I want to go back over it again because I did that last week. And I just felt like I got more out of it. And I felt like maybe because I had a little more time to kind of flesh it out. So that's what I want to do again here. Um, and I believe, you know, I, I, again, I used to buy tapes when I first got saved. When my pastor preached, I would buy the cassette and I probably listened to some of those messages 10 to 15 times because I wanted to. That was a desire of my heart. I wanted to listen to the word of God. I wanted, I was hungry and I'm like, I'm going to listen to it and listen to it. And every time I listened to it, I, there were times you're familiar, but it would almost like, it was like, I, I would hear something new or it was, it was fresh in some way. Um, especially if you go back and listen after a time, right? You listen to it, you step away, you come back, you listen to it three weeks, two weeks later. Um, there were times where I would listen to it, you know, twice in a day. I used to, I used to put on uh, tapes as I would go to sleep. And now I can't do that because my wife, I could put earpieces in my ears, but I can't go to sleep with those things in my ear. But I used to go to sleep to just the word of God, just messages being preached from certain men that I admired and respected. And I would just get that in my spirit. Um, but today I want to talk about worship. And when you think about worship, a lot of times in our society, it's music, it's people singing. And, and that is an aspect of worship. And I think ultimately, to really worship God, it's not just about singing songs. It's about your heart communicating to him. And I was talking about how, you know, you have to open up your spirit and your life and begin to talk to God. And being able to worship him is like... God, I love you, and saying it, you know, when you're by yourself and you're in your in your quiet space, you get before the Lord and you're like, God, I just want to tell you I love you. God, thank you for my life. Thank you for your mercy. Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for what you did on the cross. I love you. I worship you. You're worthy. You're worthy. I love you so much, Lord. God, I bless your name today. God, I ask that you would come in and you would have your way in my life. I'm yours, Lord. I love you. There's none beside you. You're the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. I'm thankful that you showed me who you are, that you revealed yourself to me, your love, your goodness. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would have your way in and through my, my day, my life. And God, I worship you. I bless you. And out of that place of just taking your heart, your mind, and putting it on the Lord and, and, and thinking on him and, and seeing him. And even in your spirit, you're, you, can, you can look at God and say, God, I love you. And as you do that, you can, you know, you can have, you don't have to have a pretty voice or have some sort of like professional voice, but you can begin to just sing, sing. God, God created us to sing. He, he loves us hearing us sing songs to him, especially when they're like from the heart, when they're spontaneous and they're just from you. Like, God, I love you. God, you're so good to me and I love you, Lord. Oh, how good you are. <clears throat> and you know what? You might, your voice might crack like mine just did. But you know what? God's not up there going, oh, please stop. <laughs> God's not like like Simon Cowell on American Idol who's like, 
like rolling his eyes as you're singing, right? No, he's up there. Oh, thank you. Thank you. He, Give me more. Come on. Come on. Give me more. And a lot of times for me, when I just completely abandon myself to that type of worship, I'll, I'll connect in a, in a level or in a, in a way that like it's almost like floodgates open and God begins to touch my heart. I can feel his presence. I can sense his nearness. And I and sometimes I have to break and he heals and he brings healing into areas of my life. He begins to speak to my heart. He begins to speak back to me, sing over me, right? God sings over us sometimes. And sometimes if you just if you just press in, you can get a little glimpse of what he's singing over you. It's good, it's love, it's mercy, it's it's his his goodness and what he has for you. He's faithful. So God, we love you. There's no one above you. I want you to have first place. Take my life, Lord. Take my heart, Lord. You can have it all. You can have it all. There's none beside you. There's no one like you. And you can have it all. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You're good, God. I worship you and I thank you. And I trust you with my life. Amen. So we see that there's the word worship and the acronym is W. And that W stands for word, the word of God. And Jesus in the word said he was the bread of life, right? He said, I'm the bread of life, and he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So like I was talking about earlier, the bread of life, that taking in sustenance, that God can be that sustenance for your life, meaning he is, he is what, he's the thing that keeps you alive. So many people fear uh, that they're, you know, <laughs> they're never going to eat, right, again. They have a fear like, what if I starve? What if I don't have enough to eat? And a lot of times people are moved and driven by that desire. Like, I got to eat, right? And the Bible even says, if you don't work, you don't eat, right? But <laughs> I think that's a correction to, to the people who could work, but they weren't, right? That was a correction to people who could be using their time productively, but were lazy and, and weren't. And they were busybodies and they were gossips and they were actually being used by the enemy instead of being used by God. They weren't picking up responsibility, but that's not the type of what I'm talking about. When people they're moved by the fear of not having food, they're moved in their life to think, well, I have to do this because if I don't, I'm not going to eat. My family's not going to eat. And that mindset runs and rules a lot of people's lives. And when you can make God your source and understand, hey, God knows I need to eat. Like the Bible says, he says, he knows what you have need of before you ask him. He knows you need food. He's created you to eat. Not only that, but he, he created you to eat good stuff. Like God, God has, there's some pretty good meals out there and God's a part of it. I remember when I, when I first got saved one time and I hadn't had a good steak, like a steak dinner in a while. And I ended up going and I bought a steak dinner and, and I cooked this really like deluxe meal with all the fixings and everything. And I ate it and I just felt like God say, did you like that? He said, I, I, I created that for you to enjoy. And I was like, you know what, God, thank you so much. Thank you for that steak. Thank you for this delicious meal, right? Thank you for that slice of apple pie, Lord, or whatever dessert, a brownie with ice cream, right? God, God gave us these things to enjoy. The problem is, is some people, <laughs> they enjoy them too much just like with any vice and it becomes their, I got to, I'm going to eat it all. And the, you know, it becomes unhealthy and, but God gave us things on the earth to enjoy, not to abuse, but to enjoy. And, uh, but before all that food and all that stuff in the natural, he wants us to understand he's the bread of life. He's the sustenance. He's the source of life. And if we feed on him, if we come to him and we we allow him to nourish us with who he is, the word of God and the truth of, of God's word and the truth of his heart and his character towards us, not just towards us, but his heart and character towards the world, his love for people, 
that that will feed and be a sustenance to us. And I believe is a part of what opens up the provision in our life for God to take care of us, to understanding God's our provider. God's the one who takes care of us. Men aren't the one. Your job's not the one. Your job might be a means how God takes care of you, whether you're a doctor, you're a salesman, you're a lawyer, um, you know, whatever your vocation is, your means of supply can change. But God is the provider. He's the one that gives you the air to breathe, the energy, um, the, the skills and the gifting. And that allows you to produce. And God is the one providing that. He's the one bringing that. And sometimes, you know, people say, well, it's my hard work. It's my effort. Well, God is the one created you. He's the one that gave you the energy. He's the one that gives you this earth to live on. But but if you could get that mindset switched from thinking, oh, it's all you and your effort, you're opening yourself up now for the supernatural blessing, the supernatural unction and increase that God can bring. I remember when we were in Florida, me and my wife, we were working as realtors. And there were times where we're like, you know, you people think you get into real estate and it's just, you know, I just need to make a sale. And, and sometimes you, you just, you don't realize it's hard work. It, it just like another job you have to put in the hours to, to work some kind of uh, sales job like that. When you're living off of your commission, you're not getting a salary and you have to put in the work, right? But every time me and my wife would strive to try to make it happen, it was like, it was like a drudgery. But every time it was like, a place of trusting God to bring provision, there was an ease to it. There was, it was like, we would make one phone call. It would be this connection. It would be somebody saying, hey, here's a, it, it was almost like it was, there was an ease to it. But when we tried to take that, that responsibility of making it happen for ourselves, it was almost like a frustrating, energy sucking, energy draining. And I'm not saying you don't have to like take responsibility and, and go hard after it. But there's a difference between like, like inviting God into that space and saying, God, I'm going to, I know you can do more than I can do. I'm going to, whatever I put my hand to, you said you're going to bless. So as I put my hand, there's a unction, supernatural blessing on it and favor. And you're going to make, you're going to bring the increase. And there was, there was divine connections that happened with, with clients, with people and those are the things that blessed us and brought blessing into our life because it was God doing it. It wasn't us trying to strive and make it happen. And I think that you can strive and make it happen and you can still be blessed and you can still, you know, make it work. And, and at the end of it, be old and gray and bitter and angry because, you know, I work my butt off and, and, you know, stingy. And there's people who have millions of dollars and they're just tight and stuck up and you know, they're, they're so proud and arrogant about their, about how they think about work and what they think they've accomplished. And they make everybody who doesn't think or, or act like them, they look down on them and criticize them and belittle them. But there are people I've seen who just step into a grace and they're blessed. They're blessed because God's hand is on their life and they have fellowship with him. I mean, he's the source of it all. So if you can, can, even people who have that hard work ethic, you can connect them with the understanding that, hey, you're, you can kind of relax and let God in and let God do something um, in your life that's supernatural in your, in your finances, in the provision of your life. So that word of God, that feeding off of him and letting him become the thing that satisfies and in, in, um, comes in and brings a resolve or brings a, um, a fulfillment, right? That's another word, fulfilling. Like a lot of people, they're working and they're striving, but there's no fulfillment. There's no, there's no, they're not full at the end. They're empty. They're worn out. They're, they're spent. And they're waiting for the next check to come in, to fill their tank, to fill their life. And it's just this rabbit. It's like being on the, the guinea pig on the wheel and you're just spinning and spinning but there's no satisfaction and fulfillment in your life and that's where God's saying come to me I'm the bread of life I will bring the fulfillment I will be the source if you let me in and not only that so the next word after the word of God is overflow it's the O in worship overflow this is God's heart and character he his nature is to 
overflow, meaning he wants to fill your cup to where it's spilling over. It's, it's making a mess in a good way. This is how God wants us to be in our life as well. And there's seasons in my life where I've had to challenge my own heart because I was, I'm, I was stingy, you know? I was just like, I'm not gonna have enough, you know? And, or, and you have to like break that by a faith of saying, God, this money isn't the answer to my life. This, this thing that, you know, everybody worships and the Bible even says it's the love of money that's the root of all evil. Why do people act the way they act? Why do people get in fights? And, you know, it's because of uh, the money issue, right? It's the root of all evil. It's the love of money that causes problems in our society. And I think if we can conquer that, understand God is our source. He's the one that provides. And he, he wants to overflow our life. As we overflow, we flow onto others. And if you think about it, if you had a bunch of cups stacked, right? You had the cup at the top, which I've seen people do this, and they pour and they keep pouring, then all those cups below begin to get full. And as the one on top overflows, it goes down to the next one, and that one overflows, and it flows on to the next one. And at the end of it all, if the stream keeps going and going and going, because with God it's endless, then all the cups in that tower that was built, they're all overflowing, and it's spilling out onto the table, onto the floor. This is God's heart. This is what God has done and we have to tap into it. We have to get under that flow. We have to, we have to get in line, right? Get in, get divine alignment in our life. And as we do, God will flow. He'll keep flowing and flowing. And the word stewardship, right? We have to be a good steward of what He gives us, because God doesn't. He doesn't want us to waste. He's not into wasting. He wants to. He's He's a God who looks and cares. He doesn't like waste. He wants us to be diligent and and do our best and and take be mindful of where there's waste where we're wasting our time where we're wasting our money where we're wasting right that doesn't mean he he does he can't bless you but it means that you got to maybe priorities have to shift and for his overflow to really be effective in your life so overflow overflow and not it's not just money it's it's joy it's peace it's 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 purpose it's the plan of god it's he he doesn't he doesn't run out of ideas for your life. He doesn't run out of plans or purpose or or what he wants to do. He's not. Oh, I'm sorry. Come back to me tomorrow because I'm I'm still trying to figure out what I'm gonna do with you. You're just too much. You're too much for me. No, he's he's there to meet us in our every need. There's no lack in God. The whole earth is his in the fullness thereof. People try to sell. People try to sell you that there's not enough you know, resources in the earth, that the earth is overpopulated. And I watched something recently and Elon Musk was actually speaking and he's saying, no, that's such a, a lie. It's not true. There's actually, we're underpopulation because of the way society has been moving. People aren't having as many kids. Um, a lot of people aren't even, you know, they're not getting married. I mean, there's people who are single. There's a, I've met a lot of single people who aren't married. I don't have kids. They're in their thirties and forties. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with because we have such a selfish society and we teach people how to be selfish that they like to be married. It really is a giving experience to have children is a giving experience. And when you have selfishness in your life, those two things don't line up with uh, somebody who just wants it, it to be all about them. So you you have people who are actually not having children and that's causing a underpopulation there's actually not a lot of people and this is what Elon Musk was was addressing and people are like what but because the media and the world tries to sell you we got to skin you know people need to die because there's not enough there's not enough food there's not enough this and it's such a lie god created more than enough for his creation and he will provide more than enough for everyone especially when we worship him, right? Especially when we give our life to him. There's people that, that God has provided for and they don't even glorify him. They don't even acknowledge him, but God has, has given and, and, and blessed their life. The next word is radical. And that's the R in the word worship. And to be radical is, the definition is very new and different from the usual or ordinary. Very new. And like we're a new creation in Christ. So there's that lines up with that scripture. 
different, a peculiar people. This is the verse I, I, I pulled out for this. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So God is saying he wants us to be radical, meaning to understand that we're different, we're peculiar, we're, we're, we're chosen, we're special to God. We're unusual. We're not the usual. We're not the ordinary. Christians should not look like the ordinary. You shouldn't walk into a room and see a bunch of Christians and think, oh my gosh, why does it seem like it's so boring in here? You shouldn't be in a church where when you listen to the guy talk, you want to go to bed, you know, or you're just like, what is going on here? You almost feel like you're in in a Twilight Zone movie. And you're like, I would never by choice come to a place that's as dead as this and want to and worship a God with the people that look like ordinary, simple, everyday Joe Schmoes, right? Or Sally Sue's. <laughs> they're just, they're just, you know, they're just boring, dead, no energy. You look at their face, they're all frowning, they're all, they look like they're tired, they look like they need to go back to bed. No, you want to walk into a room and go, wow, this is a peculiar atmosphere, wow, these people seem like they're having a good time. Whoa, I want to to come hang out, I want to be a part of this. That should be what every church that says they love Jesus Christ should look like. That's what every environment, Holy Spirit charged peculiar people knowing who they are not proud or arrogant you know in the fleshly sense but just you know confident and and full of joy full of happiness like able to reach out and love you go to some churches you're a first time visitor and you feel like you're like nope everybody just kind of looks at you nobody says hi nobody greets you there's something wrong there it's like hold on a second this is a church, right? I'm new to this church. And you mean you can't have somebody come up to me with a smile and a joyful attitude and be like, hey, how are you doing? What's your name? Awesome. Welcome. We're so glad you're here. I believe God's going to touch your life this morning. He's alive. He's real. And he, and he wants you to know that that you're here for a purpose and he's ordered your steps here. Like just having somebody come up to you as a first time guest and, and doing that would blow the wig off most people because they don't experience that. That's not what church is about, right? They get a nice, like maybe a head nod or a, like a smile, hi, you know, because it's like that's what they're told to do in a back room, whether they're being trained by their leadership team or their pastor. Pep talk, come on, guys, we got to have, no, it should be in you. It should be living in your life. You don't need a pep talk because you're connected with the one. And that overflow and that connection produces a radical lifestyle, a different lifestyle. You become different. You look different. You talk different. You handle problems. You handle challenges different than the normal person. You're not moved by your emotions and respond out of the carnal nature of your flesh, but you're tapped into God and his spirit and you're looking for his response in the way he would want to handle uh, situations. And there's a heavenly way and then, then there's a carnal way to handle challenges in life. But when you're set apart and you're different, you're radical, you'll have that radical um, programming or radical mindset that will help you be different in those times when you need to be. Whether it's in your marriage and your relationship with the one that you're married to and you're having challenges, whether it's with your children, whether it's with your boss, whether it's with people at work, whether it's with people, your family, right? your cousins, your uncles, people that maybe you have issues with, God will give you this radical way of dealing with those things in the spirit and by the spirit. He gets involved and he shows you and corrects you and brings truth and brings joy over the situation and frees you up to to love the way he loves, to see the way he, he sees, to think the way he thinks, to speak life over people and their futures. In Jesus' name, amen. So the next one is service. So we went through W O R were and now we're at s as <laughs> service so this is what we believe worship is these these things are kind of like a um foundation or keys 
of living, right? Or like the op, the mode of operation is we're going to, if we're going to live a lifestyle of worship and worship is going to be at the forefront of who we are, then these things have to be in our life. These, these understanding of what it is to worship God. We're servants. We serve the Lord. We do all things as unto the Lord and he'll bless us, right? Don't do it unto men as a men, as a men pleaser, but do it as unto the Lord, knowing that he rewards, he sees. And we're not doing it to try to be pleasing to men. I'm telling you, if you try to do it to be pleasing to men, it's only going to go so far before you're bitter, angry, and upset at, at men. I've seen it over and over. People try to serve. They try to give themselves to a man. And when it doesn't work out or that man's not able to, to, to repay or whatever, they get bitter. They get angry. And the one they were going, I'm doing this for you. Look, look at what I'm doing for you. And then when that guy doesn't, isn't able to give back to them in the way they expect or think, they get mad and bitter. And it actually is the thing that cancels out God's ability to bless you. To, to break in and be like, you did this unto me and it wasn't about the man and now I'm gonna bless you, I'm gonna reward you, I'm gonna show you that I'm faithful and you don't need to look to men to be faithful. You don't need to look to a man to be the one who becomes God for you. You have to look to God. So there's that scripture where Jesus is speaking to the disciples, he says, it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great because they're arguing about who's going to be great in the kingdom. He says, you want to be great? Then you need to be a servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be a slave. But just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is showing, look, I didn't come to be served. I'm not this king that's saying, come wash my feet, bow up before me and worship me. Even though there is a part of that aspect to God, because at the end of the day, there's going to be every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord, right? That he is king, but he's not coming in that evil, wicked way of he's actually inviting people through a way of saying, hey, I'm coming and I'm dying for you. I'm dying for your for your mistakes. I'm dying for your sin because I want a relationship. So his heart is relational. And then at the end, when there's people who say, you know, F God, screw God, I don't want God, and I don't care. Well, then God's going to say, well, it doesn't matter what you think, I'm still God. And every tongue's going to confess that, and they're going to bow. Because that's because when, he, when, you, when he's revealed in his full glory, let me tell you, the earth's going to shake, and every knee, no doubt, is going to bow. And they're going to be like, whoa, right? Just like Paul when he got knocked off his horse. So that service is, isn't, it's not, you can serve men. And I think there's a, there's a desire there to want to bless people and that's good, but you don't want to do it with strings attached. You're not doing something and attaching strings to it because you need a, a give back, right? I'm going to scratch your back. So you'll scratch my back. That's not God's heart. That's not what he's saying. He's telling you give unto others and you sacrifice for the betterment of other people. And so that they can move forward in their purpose, their destiny, so that they can see God the way he truly is. You give your life and then you watch what I do. You watch what I do in your life. And I think that's the faithfulness of God. That's the heart of God. And that's what we need. We need to be connected with his heart of what it means to serve. And I don't like sometimes the way that they teach, you know, because you'll see the pastor be like, you know, whether it's six months or a year the whole service message comes out. And a lot of times it's built around, hey, we got a lot of stuff that needs to be done around the church and we don't want to pay anybody. So if we can get people to <laughs> come and do the work for free, you know, we got to serve. And when God wants you, we got to serve. And there's an aspect to that that's true. We want people to come and give of their time. But it's like when it's manipulative and it's like built around this idea of like, hey, we're going to manipulate people because we got it and they use it that way. I think that's wrong. And I think it has been abused in the church. You'll see men who are 10 years, 15 years doing the same thing in the church. And it's all in the name of, well, he's just a servant. And one day he's just trusting God with his servant. And then, you know, one day God's just going to bless him. He's going to become king over everything because he's the servant of all, right? And it's this false reality 
of if you just serve hard enough and long enough, God's going to bless you. You need to know that God has already blessed you and you're serving from a place of that place, not serving from a place, I need God to bless me, but you're serving from a place because God has blessed you. And that will free you up to not get stuck under some other uh, man's, man's system of, well, you just need to serve until it's your time. You just need to do this until it's your time. And the church has such a dysfunctional structure like that. God said, go make disciples. And and, he, and the hour now is that, you know, at hand that the laborers are few and we need to be raising people up and we need to be setting them loose. We don't need them to be holding a broom and saying, okay, just hold that broom until God says it's your time to be king. I mean, this type of teaching is so nonsensical, right? You, you, you're not earning God's promotion or blessing because you're serving another man in the sense of holding a broom and sweeping a room, right? You're being faithful in another man's ministry or with what he's maybe giving you as a task, but that, that doesn't rely upon that man saying, okay, now I dub you, you're worthy. No, it's God's heart. It's God, the one you're serving and God's the one that determines that. And so many people get stuck in these places and they're not developing, they're not growing. They're not actually uh, even engaging in relationship with the pastor. They're just doing the deed. I'm just doing the um, whatever it is. Right? I clean this. I do that, and I do it every. And I don't get paid. And and I but I, but I'm just hoping one day the pastor will see and and say, hey, now I will make you whatever associate pastor or whatever it is that 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 person wants. And I just don't think that's God working. And I think that's man's manipulation and of controlling people. And in reality, the. The environment of that type of like servant mentality should lead people to that you can still sweep, right? Like we used to take turns cleaning the church. I think that's the better way to do it because you want like the pastor should clean the church one Sunday. Why not? Why not have the pastor be the one who models how it's done? Okay, we're going to take turns. I'm still a sir. I'm still, you know, I, I don't have a problem picking up a broom. I don't have a problem cleaning a toilet. Maybe I do it one one week and then the next week somebody else comes in and does it because I, you know that's the way we create an environment where everybody is pitching in and chipping in and doing doing the stuff nobody wants to do so it's not this weird well we're gonna have one guy who's just faithful who's just you know kind of um dumbed down or or his personality is not a strong personality so he it's easy to be walked on or be controlled and that guy just ends up staying in a place of underdevelopment for years and never progresses in his spiritual life. But guess what? The floor is sweeped every Sunday. So I know that was a little bit of a soapbox, but I honestly believe that. I believe the American church has used that to manipulate people and have, have kept many people from stepping into and pursuing what God has for them other than, hey, here, just hold a broom, right? I, that's just my mindset on it. And... Uh, yeah, I think God is faithful to us when we serve, but it's not, that's not really service. Service is when other people get set free and see God for themselves and actually can connect with him on a different level. And as leaders, that's where we should be, be serving people in, is serving them the word, serving them in ministry, seeing them healed, seeing them delivered, seeing them progress in their life, seeing them blessed, seeing them come out of poverty, seeing them come out of dysfunctional living and mindsets. That's serving people. Amen. So the next one is heart. Heart. So W-O-R-S-H, heart. This is uh, the center and I think the most important piece of worship. Keep and guard your heart with all diligence and vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it flow the springs of life. To keep your heart right is, it's a challenging, uh, I think the most challenging thing for Christianity is, is making sure that as you're living your life and you're engaging with people that you don't allow these issues of bitterness, unforgiveness, judgment, Whatever it is that tries to come in and choke out the life of God and choke out the thing on the inside to where now 
you have like a virus, right? Like your your operating system now has this bitterness or this resentment or again, like victim mentality. And you can let God into those places and deal with those things. And sometimes it's hard. In fact, I'd say most of the time it's hard because it's you having to admit that you're wrong. You, you having to admit that you have the, the bad attitude, you have the wrong heart. And letting God come in and confirm what the right heart is in with his word and with his truth, but also you getting in alignment with it, getting in alignment with God, get in alignment with his order, his authority, the way that he does things, not the way an organization or, or some uh, system has been set up, but you want to get in alignment with God because God, um, again, supersedes and overpowers every thing on this earth. God comes and shifts systems, shifts world systems and knows how to shake. And he even says in his word in the last days, he's going to shake everything. It's going to be shaken. And it's important that we don't freak out when these things happen. Why? Because it almost comes to shake that relationship with God, right? It comes to where are you at with the Lord? Do you really have a heart for God? Are you really living for him? Or are you just trying to manipulate, connive and get, get a one up? And, you know, I think this is so important in how we live our life and guarding it and trust. And another thing is this is like making sure you don't just spill out everything in your life to everyone because people will take your weaknesses and they use them against you. They'll manipulate. They'll, they're wicked, man. I've, I've just seen it enough in my life where that's why it's like you need faithful people that you can that you can entrust those things to that have your back that tr- that that you know really do seek and want the best for your life so you have to guard your heart you have to be careful um and not just open up to just everyone your problems you need to you need to find somebody that can help you not somebody who who will kind of help you and then they'll go talk about you and you know try to hurt you because they use the information against you in your life you want people who are going to stand for you, be with you, and walk with you through the problems and the, and the struggles and the pain and the hurt and help you to see where you're wrong, help you to see where you miss it and give you insight and, and really be there for you. You don't want people that bail on you. Oh, it's look at that guy's going through a hard time. Okay, uh, I don't want to be around that. You know, <laughs> I've seen ministers do that. They know somebody's struggling, but they just don't want to deal with it because it, it, it costs them something to have to get involved in people's life where there's a mess. And it's like, this is the whole point of why you signed up for this and you're avoiding the thing that you need to be involved in, to bring light, to bring instruction. And if you don't have that, if you're not equipped to do that, then you need to you know, probably lay it down and hand it to somebody else because you're not doing anybody any good. I'm taking a drink of my coffee here. It's nothing like coffee. <laughs> um, so guard your heart. Keep your heart. You have to be focused on the in, inner workings of your life. Um, that's why the, David says, know me, Lord. Show me my heart. Show me the inner workings of it. He does know us, but I think there's a dynamic of you knowing and you saying, okay, God, I know you see these things. Help me identify where I miss it, where I fall short, where where my heart is tweaked in, in the wrong direction. I need you and I want you into those places in my life because ultimately I know that that's gonna allow me to become closer with you, but also free me up for you to bless me and, and do what you wanna do in my life. The next one is integrity. This is I. Integrity, it says, put away from you false and dishonest speech that means don't lie, right? Don't don't lie. Don't don't create little lies, white lies, little falsehoods. Be honest. Speak the truth. Um, don't put away from you false and dishonest speech and willful and contrary talk from be far from you. Willful and contrary talk. I wonder what like. Let's just sit on that for a second. Why? Because I really believe this is dealing with gossip. 
And when people get into a negative zone, and again, going back to the victim mentality, you can be willful, especially disgruntled people, dissatisfied, angry people, will go into this place of willful and contrary talk. It's contrary to God's heart, contrary to God's will, contrary to his purpose. And they'll start causing problems. They'll start they'll start spreading problems because they're they're not happy. And this will cause problems in their life. And God's telling us to put away from us. And when you're talking crap about other people, and I'm not talking about just having discussions where you're you're talking through things or you're, you know, you're, um, uh, there's, there's a context and there's a place if you're, you know, in a position where you have to talk about people, it's another thing where you're not, and you're just a gossip and you just want to find out information to go, you know, because you literally feed off of other people's dysfunction because you're dysfunctional and God's coming in and he's correcting and saying, look, when you're talking about other people in a way that I don't talk about them, it's false and dishonest speech. It's willful and contrary talk. You need to put it away from you. And from that place, you need to look with your eyes with fixed purpose on him, on his word, on what God is saying, on what God is speaking about those individuals or the the people that are in your life that you're having issues with. And let your gaze be straight before you. Keep your focus on the task. Keep your focus on what God wants you to focus on. Don't put your eyes on the haters or on the people or the naysayers. Keep them on the Lord. And don't allow your mouth to to revile and curse back. But bless. The Bible says bless your enemies. So so that takes a a tension within yourself. You're not going to be able to just do that. And there's some people that, yeah, maybe you're so spiritual. You're just with with Jesus like 24 hours a day and you're in the spirit realm. I don't know, in the heavenlies. And you don't have a attention when, when you hear something negative. But most people, when somebody says something negative or, or it comes down the pipe and did you hear so-and-so? Did you hear somebody say that this is what somebody's or they're saying this? And then you can be like, huh? And it causes this like, you know, this, oh, what they said that, what, uh, uh, you know, people get into this like arguing and, well, yeah, well, they said this and I don't know. Yeah, well, that's this and this, this is that. And they go down this path that literally is just destruction. It's, it's not only destruction to the relationship, but it's unfruitful because it's not mending. It's not bringing together. It's not pointing in the direction of what, what God is doing and what God is speaking. So we have to allow God into these tension places and let his word and his heart rule in ours. And that takes you surrendering to it. Consider well the path of your feet and let your ways be established and ordered aright. Meaning take, take, pay attention to the way you're walking. You don't want to walk in a crooked way. Let your ways be established and ordered right. Meaning don't try to shortcut and, and cheat and connive and, and do things that are wrong to try to get ahead, right? Don't try to embezzle money. Don't try to, to, to change the books so that you get a little, that you can get a piece and try to hide or try to steal and, and make excuses for it. There's people who are in businesses, people who are in even churches, organizations that they get away for they get away with it for a while. But then, as soon as light comes on, and God's not mocked, he, he, <laughs> light shines. They freak out because they know that what they're doing in some way is corrupt, and they, people get all nervous and, and and angry and upset when you want to start shining lights. That's the people you can I can guarantee you. There's something there. Because there's no reason to get upset. There's no reason to throw a fit. There, there's only reason to have anxiety and fear is if there's something you're hiding. Okay? If you don't hide anything, yeah, sure, no problem. Of course, right? Just a heart, because that's the heart of, of God. God's heart is not nervous. It's not scared. And if you're connected with him and you're, you're, you're behaving in a way that's kosher, then you're not going to be like, well, what do you mean? Oh, uh, uh. I can't believe this. What do you don't think I'm doing? What, you don't trust me? Ah. (laughs) What, you don't think I... It's like, whoa. Yeah, especially now because you're throwing a fit. It's like, (laughs) 
I would trust you more if your response wasn't so, you know, crazy. Like, let your response be a little bit more, sure, no problem. Not what, you don't think I, I'm doing the right thing? Ah. Yeah, actually, now I don't because of the way you're responding is just a little bit too much. I think I touch, I'm touching something here and you're freaking out. So we have to consider well the path, make sure that we're doing it the correct way and asking God to get in if we're not. And that's hard for people to do. That's hard for people to say, God, come in. I'm inviting you in. I want to make sure I'm doing it the right way. I want to make sure I'm doing it the way you want me to do it. And that things are set up the way you want them to be set up because that aligns us and aligns um, our heart with God's blessing, with him being able to pour out and do what he wants to do. If you don't allow him in, then you're not going to have his results. You're going to get your results. You're going you're gonna to go your own way. And that's going to cause problems for you down the road. So the next after integrity, that's also keeping your word. That's also speaking truth and, and being a man of your word. Don't, don't say something and then, you know, go back on it and lie. Don't make a vow and then not follow through. That's all shady, not disingenuous stuff. You need to follow through with, with what you say. Be a man of your word. Um, turn not aside to the right hand or to the left and remove your foot from evil. That's you. God saying, hey, you got to be responsible here. You got to remove your foot. You got to make the action to remove your foot from evil, meaning the path you're walking on, if it's crooked, the path you're going down, if it's, if it's corrupt, you have to recognize it. And then you have to make the decision to remove yourself because if not, uh, it's, it could be not pretty. So the next one is presence, integrity, and then presence. And the presence of God is incredible. Um, I would say for me in my life, if I didn't have God's presence, I would not be a Christian. I would have, I would have checked out. Cause it's just at that point, it's like, this isn't real. This is just a bunch of crazy people and they're dysfunctional. But because I've experienced the supernatural, tangible presence of God, not only that, but his, I have experienced his love in a, in a tangible way. Not just, oh, you know, hearing somebody say, I love you, but actually experiencing it in my life, seeing his provision, seeing his hand, seeing his direction, his, uh, his answering my prayers, him speaking back. Sometimes it's been long. Sometimes it's almost immediate. God answers prayers. He hears you. Here, I have this example um, when I was in college, when I was, and I have other ones, but this one's popping into my mind where I was, you know, I'm in college, I'm trying to make it, you know, paying my school, paying my bills, working full time, going to school full time. And I was short on, I think it was like a phone bill or something I needed to pay. And it was only like 50 something dollars that I needed that I didn't have. And I was like, God, you're my provider. You, I, I tithe. You said that you would provide for me. And I begin to just speak to him. I call out to him. I'm literally driving to the service that night for church in my car. And I'm just before the Lord saying, God, I know you can provide for me. I know you can take care of this. You're my provider. I walk into the church and I'm not kidding you. A guy comes up to me and he hands me a check for like $2 over the amount that I needed. It was like per, almost like a perfect answer to prayer literally minutes before that type of those type of things you can't make happen you cannot make you 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 know i didn't like call the guy hey have this check ready for me i'm gonna be praying in the car if you can just do this for me so i think god's real no i was literally praying this guy was having his thoughts and god was speaking to him he wrote a check out i walk in and he walks up to me immediately hands me the check and i'm just like wow that's where I go, okay, you're listening. Oh, wow, you really do hear prayer. God, you're good. And I've seen him do that in my life in other areas. I've seen God bless me with a car. I, I bless my, uh, somebody, my dad one time was needed wheels and I was just praying. I said, God, God can provide for you. He was in a tough spot. And I said, and we just prayed over it. A week later, this lady comes up to me, says, hey, do you, does your family need another car? I, I just... 
I, I, you came to my mind and I just want to, and I literally gave me a car and I gave it to my dad. That is God answering. That's why we, you can't just, when you're in need or when you, when you have a need, you need to come to God, ask him. He wants us to ask him. He wants us to seek him out on things that we desire in our life. And he wants us to trust him that he can bring it to pass. Commit your way to the Lord. He'll bring it to pass. He'll, he'll provide for you. He'll make a way for you. I've seen him do it over and over and over in my life, his faithfulness. You know, and I wasn't, you know, and maybe there's people that, you know, they ask for the Mercedes Benz and God says, here's a Mercedes Benz, you know, and maybe I need to be more specific like that. But I just never had like a desire for a Mercedes Benz. I just I just said a car. So maybe I need to be more specific. But I think that's where you get into like the genie thing, right? Like God's not a genie in a lamp. You're not like rubbing a lamp. He comes out. You have three wishes. What do you want? And I want to. I want a brand new Mercedes Benz. And God's like, all right, that's one. You got two more wishes left. No, it's just a matter of like a heart's cry of God, you're, you're good. You provide, you make a way, you make a way for me. And I believe ultimately he has a way of superseding that. He, he, you know, he, maybe he gives you this car, but then down the road, he blesses you with a nicer car. Maybe he does this now, but then, and you just trust him in your life and he blesses us. He increases us. He's so good. So the presence of God, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Your presence, your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there's pleasure. The pleasures of God are not the pleasures of men. And I'm telling you this, when you tap into God's pleasure and what makes him happy and you begin to and you begin to enter into his joy, meaning you actually feel God's joy and his pleasure over you, it is better than life itself. It is the thing that you want to live your life for. You want to you die seeking out his pleasure. God, what do you have for me? God, how can I bless you? How can I, what can, what can I believe, you know, in my life using faith, right? Because the Bible says faith pleases God. It brings pleasure to God when we trust him, when we have faith in him, when we place our hope in him. He actually, we can enjoy his pleasure, not only in his presence, but with the gifts he gives us. And I believe God does know the things we're interested in and the little things we like, and he can bless us with those things. Whether you're collecting, you like to collect certain things, God can make sure you get the cool thing that you desire. He, I remember back in the day, this was like years ago, where I started to get back into comic books. And I was like, oh man, I really like, you know, and this was something that was a part of when I was a kid. I really liked artwork. And it wasn't so much the comic book from the perspective of um, the story, but it was the art. It was the creation of it. I was so into how they created these things and that there were people that could literally draw with their hand and out of their mind these incredible scenes and 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 create the stories and all the creation side of it was the thing that that really in, that fascinated me and i had lost all these books when i was a kid but god brought them all back when i started to get into comic books and i was just like buying these things on ebay and i would get these really like just like a set for like cheap and uh, I sold a bunch of them uh, on and off I've kind of sold stuff but I've made money off of the books that I've gotten and God has I believe God has used that even at times to bless me because uh, I don't know I just think God works in, in in ways that we don't sometimes see or give him credit for so he is into and sees all those details of our life and he wants to bless us So um, I'm going to go ahead and end it there. But the word worship, the acronym for word, overflow, radical, service, heart, integrity, and presence. These are all foundational for the Christian life and for the worshiper's life, for those who want to worship God, those who have a desire. These things all work together to, to give us a foundation of how do we worship. We worship God in all these different ways. We can worship him with our giving, with our song, with our, our integrity. And being integrous is worshiping God, right? Um, giving him your life and your heart and allowing him to come in and, and do what he wants to do is worshiping God, 
Those are all forms of worship. So, Lord, I just pray, Lord, this was a blessing and it encouraged and it spoke to hearts today. I thank you, God, that you bring resolve to areas in people's mind or their spirits. God, that you would just um, close the gap if there's any space there for the enemy to, to work. Close that gap and shut the enemy out of their heart and their mind. I pray, God, that you would remove the enemy from their life. The plots and plans, his plots and plans will be exposed and destroyed that that they will not fall into a trap god but you will keep them on the path of life that their hearts will be connected with you that they'll spend time with you that they'll allow your word to come in and challenge and shape their life and their mind in jesus name amen have a blessed week